Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Hello, I'm Brandy Heather. Hi, Brandy. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to join me today. I think that uh, so I'm, I'm torn. You, I'm going to say your your play space is around play, which is kind of yes. like my play space, like not related to podcasting. I'm also into movement and, and doing those kinds of crazy things. So I'm torn, um, but I think I'm going to start. Let's start pretending that we're going to talk about podcasting today. So let's <laughs> let's start with. I know that your your journey was you started your podcast, you did your podcast, and then I know that you've written a book, and I'm curious about. Was the the podcast, um, from what I understand, we were talking before, your, your podcast helped you, I'm going to say, focus what you were passionate about and then made it clear. And I'm wondering how much of what you what you did, like the work that you had to do to make a podcast, how much of what you did enabled you to finally like, oh, now I can do the book? It, it's so true because when I dove into podcasting, it was, it was absolutely brand new to me. So even the audio, developing the audio and doing all those things was really super new to me. So it was a, it was a vulnerable thing to do. Mm-hmm. And through that journey, through being able to find my voice and also have people on the other side who said that voice is important, um, that is something we want to listen to, that that was, that was really key and, and ability to have that accountability to something, to a schedule, to people that was, that was really key. And it, it allowed me to start outlining the process for the book. So I kind of found my voice in podcasting and then turned that voice into a book. Hmm. I, that's, (laughs) That strikes me as very clever, <laughs> not clever like <laughs> aha, clever, clever like that's a wise way to do that. Uh, you 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 came back uh, at least once, maybe twice. As um, and it, we always, all of us, we double clutch because for a while it was called one thing and then it was called something else. So you came back as an assistant, a remarkable and all star to help the coaches. Did you do that once or did you do that twice? Or I think you did that actually did twice. that three times. Three times. Yeah, I did that so, three times. Tell me about the experience, like because that, that's a, a much like a lot of a lot of people air quoting are podcasters, but to have a chance to kind of come back as someone who's in the role isn't because I do it too. The role isn't to like show up and like I have the answer. The role is to just be like infectiously excited and passionate and like, well, here's what I did and it blew up in my face. Don't do that. You know, like what, what what's your experience when you went back the the first time and the second time and the third time? Like as you've gone back over and over, what's that experience been like? Sort of as you know the I don't know what. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of all-stars. I'm not a big fan of yeah. remarkable, but whatever we want to call ourselves. Yeah. I think I think one of the keys and probably part of being asked back was, was the ability to really be able to tell people or show people and be that informed voice that could say, actually, what you're discovering is your play. So when you find your voice, when you write that first thing, you have your first interview um, do you feel like you're in play? And, and I was able to to help new podcasters recognize that part of why, why they do what they do is because it is their play. It is the thing that ignites them. It makes them feel joyful or powerful or, you know, creative and intentional. And so I think, I think that voice was really important to me. Um, 
And just the ability to empathize with the journey, the ability to say, oh my goodness, I did that 16 <laughs> times, right? I did that. I stayed there. I went down that rabbit hole. That's, you know, it was, it's, it's just, I think on the other side, because I received that, right? So those kind of actions yes. are super secular. So um, when you receive it, you know, you actually start to know what other people want. So that, that gave me this great belonging and it made me feel, you know, inspired and connected and s the ability to do that for someone else was awesome for me. Um, mm. the ability to, to bring people back to what their fundamental change they want to make and, and who they are. That was, you know, it was amazing to watch other podcasters create new things and create new spaces for conversation. Yeah, there's a, um, and if people have taken really any good course, there's an energy that you experience being a student, but there's, it's, I mean, it's probably the same energy, but there's a different feeling to the energy when you, sometimes I feel like I'm a hall monitor, like I don't really have a job and I'm like, please don't spray paint on the walls, you know, like just don't put the gum in the water fountain. Like, but other than that, there's, you just kind of standing around like looking for problems, like, Oh, yeah. you know, the, the trash can's on fire. I got it. You know, like, I know how to do that. Yeah. But there's an energy level that it's just downright fun to like, if there's 400 people running around in the hallway, having a grand time, you just can't help but be smiling. I mean, it's nice to duck in the staff lounge and have a donut and come back out. You know, like there are some perks, um, but it's just super fun to get a chance to go back to the energy because you know, if you go and take the course, it's not the same. Like it's, you know, it's the only, the only the, there's only one first experience. So yep. I think returning for that, um, it, you, you get as much out of it. At least I did I get as much out of it as I was able to put back into it. So I, I'm totally with you on that. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. Like the idea of going back and helping, um, when, before we were recording, we were talking about, um, you were talking about your book. Give me the title of the book. The book is called return to play, rebuilding mm -hmm. resilience, risk, and reconnection. And it is available on Amazon and at Indigo Books and on my website at returntoplay2021.com. Which I bring up because <clears throat> uh, I, I tried to write a book. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> so anytime I see somebody Super with a book hard. that exists and is done, I'm just like, mad props. That's awesome. And <laughs> when we were talking about your book before we were recording, I said, ooh, I wonder, Brandy, how much, what, skills and it's and I'm and I was thinking at the time it's probably meta skills like how to avoid rabbit holes or how to know how far to go down the rabbit hole but what skills did you do you think you were able to take away from like learning to podcast that helped you like learn to book like better like oh, it, yeah it I think one of the keys for me was that the process through Akimbo was so it was so well outlined and, and not outlined from just like, yeah, do this, do this, do this, do this really outlined from both uh, a cognitive space and, a, and an emotional space. So, mm. um, and that allowed me to then clearly outline kind of my thoughts for, for the book, because I took a lot of what I had said in my podcast and it, it came through in the book, obviously, in fact, sometimes directly. And mm. I, th I think one of the things that we find is that when we start to podcast, we start to hear our own thoughts reflected in others. We start to hear people say, 
oh my goodness, I, you know, not only do I like that, but that really resonates with me. And so it allowed me to give the book a really clear outline. And I knew from the podcasting side that the book had to be telling a story as well as dealing with the science. And that combination, the the science of play and the story of play and inclusion and diversity, all of those things mixed together with actual real, you know, people and, and my experiences was really key to writing the book. And I, I found that in podcasting. Uh, so many, <laughs> I always like so many things I want to say, so many things I want to ask. What do you think was, um, what was the easiest thing about podcasting and the easiest thing about writing the book? Cause I'm curious to see if there are parallels there. Yeah. The storytelling was the easy part for me. Mm. So telling, you know, my experiences and my stories, what I had seen from all the paths I have taken, the storytelling was easy. Um, the, the thing that was harder was to be able to integrate the science with the stories. And even though, again, I've been in the world of diversity and inclusion and disability inclusion and play my whole career. So, and as an academic, right, I'm, I, I sat in academia for a long time and teaching at post-secondary. So I had all that research. It was the ability to put it into a context where anybody wanted to read it. Mm. Um, and so podcasting, the easy part was, was telling the stories. The harder part was integrating the science so that the people that are really driven by the facts and the science got what they needed. And that combination started out in my podcasting and it obviously was a part of my background in teaching, but the ability to put it into a book where people want to turn the page all the time. And again, that's a rabbit hole all in itself, right? Because you start your podcasting <laughs> yeah. journey and you're like, nobody is going to want to listen to this. <laughs> uh, so I felt, you know, those, those parallels sit with the book and the podcast. Yeah. The first, first chapter that I wrote 12 times, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, most surprising thing about writing a book? Like, you know, um, I, I know that you hired a book coach. I want to know more about that. And like, well, what are some things about, um, and partly this entire project is just therapy for Craig. I'm like, well, if I ever wanted to write a book, I should ask people who've done it lots of questions about book writing. So <laughs> what are some things that are like, well, okay, if you're going to do it, here's a pro tip. Well, here's my pro tip. If you're going to do it, no different than any other project in your life for like really big initiative in your life, find someone who's done it before. So I actually hired, um, Ryan Fahey, who was a friend of mine and he runs Fahey consulting and he was my book coach. So he was there when I would get in those rabbit holes and I would get in those experiences and he'd be able to say, actually, this is what's happening for you right now. Let me put some, you know, let me put some sides on your mess. Um, because yeah, I, again, it, it is one of those experiences where I think the most surprising thing for me with the book was when I started to ask for interviews, people got back to me. <laughs> I know that sounds surprising, but I sent an email to Daniel Pink and he got back to me. I sent an email to Seth Godin and he got back to me. Like people, 
that was the most surprising thing for me was to put it out into the universe and be like, I'm pretty sure this won't happen. But, and then to have the universe say, oh, actually, there's people that really want to know and want to tell their story about how play affects how they work and live and connect and, and, you know, run their lives. So Mm. that was really cool. That was the biggest surprise for me. I I mentioned, uh, (laughs) I I only have one question in 38 parts. One of the things that I mentioned at the beginning was like play and movement is kind of like also my crack. And, and I was like, mm, all right, what's, cause I think I have an answer for this, but what's something that most people get wrong when we say play is important or you, or you need to make time to play or, or let's go play. Like what, what is it about? And let's pigeonhole like standard Western society. What is it about us that we're doing wrong that we don't understand about play? Well, for a lot of people, play is a four-letter word. <laughs> mm. It is. Again, we our lives are so focused on process and outcomes and what's the next thing and productivity and performance that we forget that. And so sometimes I have to like skirt around it and call it something else so that people aren't mm. what I call putting up this guard of, of play is silliness, like play is for children, play is silliness, it's unproductive, Um, it has no place in work. So I think sometimes that that first word, that word play, when I say, do you play at work? People are like, absolutely not. Because (laughs) they're like, if my boss caught me playing, I would be in trouble. But I I think this is where we get caught because we're like, okay, in order to play in our work, we turn off work and then we throw a ball around. And then we go back to work. But actually what I'm talking about is play integrated in everything you do. So when you're doing something at work that you are so absorbed by that you absolutely love about your work and you kind of lose track of time in that space, that's the play I'm talking about. I'm not talking about throwing balls around your office or adding a ping pong table because those things don't matter unless it's actually play for you. So I think we're, often trying to add something tangible, like, look, we bought a foosball table. Um, (laughs) Right. right? And that's actually, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is to find something in your day that actually makes you want to continue, that it motivates you to do the next thing. Like, and if that's the water cooler talk, or it's, you know, it's actually part of your job, like what, what an incredible thing. Let's be mindful of that. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. I, so I think the idea of uh I'm bad with names. I I want to say James Kursk with the finite and infinite games who wrote that. Oh, S- Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek and there's there's a whole book um yeah. where they're talking about the difference between finite and infinite games. If people don't know what that mm-hmm. means, you have to go look it up. Um but I think for me when I brought play into like physical activity and physical movement, it turned like, okay, I got to go do the thing 19 times. And then, but it turned it into like this. Yeah, but this is just fun. And I'm just like, I'm doing the thing because I want to keep doing the thing. Like the idea of, oh, this game's too easy. Kids make it harder. They like, if the game is going to end, they, they add a wrinkle. <laughs> oh wait, look, we move the goalpost or whatever. And I, I think that might be, I think that's a big part of the magic when I'm able to bring play into what, 
would normally be considered a work task is like, well, well, now I, I want to keep going. Like, well, this is, I'm done. What? I've reached, you know, like I was supposed to accomplish this and I finished it. And I think that's a magic, timeless, uh, right? a magical timeless. thing. If you can like turn it in like, oh, this becomes play instead of a slog or a sled pull. And I think the first step is actually recognizing when it's there, not creating when it's there. Like I often say five, five minutes in your day to to do something playful, but you actually, if you spend five minutes a day, just being mindful of, of times in which you felt that, and it doesn't have to be at work at all. Like it, it can be outside work. It can be wherever, but if we're a little more mindful of times in which we feel that joy, that timelessness, you know, motivation connected, you know, and exercise and fitness is, is, you know, my background is kinesiology and sports studies. So <laughs> the ability to make, Exercise not be, you know, that title um, because exercise is no different than play, right? So someone says you should exercise. People have like 300 visions of what that looks like. And (laughs) right, right? And actually they don't. They have about three visions. Long distance marathon runner, weight room uh, with people who are absolutely, you know, buff and ripped. And, you know, so they have very distinct ideas of that. And when you say, actually, it means it can mean whatever you want it to mean. So you don't love going to a fitness class, but you think you should go to a fitness class. That's not play. You love dancing and you're a little bit worried about how you're going to look. But when you get in there, you're like, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. I feel wonderful. I don't want it to end. That's your play. And I think we we go with this kind of standard and sturdy definition of a lot of things, exercises, but one <laughs> where we're like, Oh, I have an idea what that is. And, and play is one of those things. Most people have this kind of silliness of, of childhood, which don't get me wrong. Silliness is, is amazing. But, uh, but I think we just need to wrap our heads differently, right? We have so many fixed ideas, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's growth mindset. one one. Yeah. I'm just watching the clock tick going, oh yeah. Um <laughs> what about um do you think you're do you think you're hooked on podcasting for life? Yeah, like I as think a, as a creator, right? Yeah, as a creator for sure. And actually, like we were talking before, I really <laughs> I love being a guest. <laughs> Um, so, which is so funny. Um, so I often don't see myself in the, like, even my podcast was just host on mic, just me talking and the idea of interviewing someone else and asking them the questions does that, that doesn't feel playful for me, but sitting doing this interview and, Mm. you know, in 20 minutes, we're going to say, Oh my goodness, where did that all go? Um, that's my play. And so I love talking with people. And so podcasting for me is just another way that I can talk to people and, and to communicate the importance of, of really taking care of yourself and being able to, you know, find the things that give you joy. And, and if you can't find them, then being able to say, Ooh, I do need to take five minutes today. <laughs> right? If you can't remember the last time you did something that you lost track of time and it was, you got to choose it 
you know, you, you knew when it was going to stop and start and you were totally in control of the decision-making in that. If you haven't had that moment in, in an, un, you know, in <laughs> the last, <laughs> you, know, you, you have to go back to your childhood and, you know, uh, then, then we need to be more intentional about that as adults for sure. And we need to, we need to also make sure that we're giving that to our kids because we're actually pushing them to be more and more academic and studied and all of those things younger and younger. So we we're starting to take away those spaces. And I think we need to be really cognizant of the effects of that for a lifetime. So. Well, as much as I'd like to keep playing, um, (laughs) I think that's a terrific place to stop. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day. Thank you, Brandy. Of course. Of course. Take care.